Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of What The Bump. We have Cheryl Demers on the podcast today. She's the founder of Charlotte Lactation. Cheryl is a board certified lactation consultant who specializes in prenatal breastfeeding and and breastfeeding education. So thank you for coming on the podcast, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you asking me. So I know I kind of just said a little bit about who you are, but tell my listeners who you are and what you do. Okay. Yes. My name is Cheryl and I have a private practice lactation business called Charlotte Lactation. And I serve predominantly the Southeast Charlotte area. So the Sardis and Monroe corridor down into Matthews. And that's really where I live. And I feel like I serve my neighbors. So I like to think of myself as the neighborhood lactation consultant Mm -hmm. and um, social connections, I think are really important. So I do like to be close to the people that I'm working with. I like to connect them to one another. I offer a weekly online group right now that meets on Tuesday evenings. And that is a way for uh, new moms or pregnant um, families to connect and kind of get to know some other people in a similar stage of life right around the corner from them. That's awesome. How did you become passionate about lactation consultants, about breastfeeding in this whole line of work? Yeah. Uh, Very different than you, Jennifer. I did not become interested in breastfeeding at all until I had my son and I had planned out, I think everything, you know, birth wise and um, really, you know, had my birth plan and I thought breastfeeding would be the next natural step. I uh, had a retained placenta Mm -hmm. and that really kind of threw, um, threw it out of, out of whack. So obviously, as you know, a retained placenta um, or delivery of the placenta really is what starts off the whole lactation piece. So it signals to your body that you've had your baby and now it's time to start feeding your baby. And so um, with that, I had a very delayed lactation start and a difficult journey. Um, And you did a podcast on um, postpartum hemorrhage that I really, uh, even so many years later, I thought I found it really valuable to to kind of go over that period again. But yes, so having the breastfeeding difficulties, I really struggled and met a wonderful lactation consultant that helped me came up with a good plan for me, but it was a lot. Um, I also had to do a lot to work with the birth trauma, the breastfeeding grief, because I certainly wasn't able to breastfeed right away. Um, and really felt a lot of feelings of failure initially. And so working through that over, um, some time and finally became um, really able to breastfeed very successfully had a, a long breastfeeding journey. And so after that, I realized, oh, you know, looking at that time frame, how beautiful that experience was, all of the stress that we had been dealing with as a, a, a new mom and baby, that breastfeeding when it was successful and we had that skin to skin time, it really became a very healing period in our new, new partnership, if you will. So yeah. um, over the years, yeah, I, I would look back at that period and realize how well, you know, what my son and I are very, very close. He's now a teenager and in a whole different stage of life, but 
that initial bond that we had that time together, that connection that we had, I think is so valuable. I really, I just love breastfeeding and decided that was where I wanted to pursue. Yeah. I feel like that is one of the best ways that somebody gets into any line of work or passion. It's like you thought, you know, maybe something would be easy or something you struggled with and you found a way around it. And you're like, okay, that was amazing. I'm so glad I got through that. Now I want to help other people get through it or help other people who are experiencing that same struggle. So that's, that's an amazing story. So let's start at the very beginning. How would you help our listeners or what would you tell them bits of advice on how to prepare for breastfeeding while they're pregnant? And I always describe this. And I even tell my patients this because People think, oh, after I have the baby, like you said, the next natural thing is going to be breastfeeding. And sometimes it does not come naturally. And I'm a huge advocate for people preparing for or educating themselves on anything, especially everything surrounding pregnancy, because you have nine months to prepare for this. And sometimes I get really frustrated with people who just come in and they're like, wait, but this is hard. And I'm like, yes. And you've known this was coming for nine months. You wouldn't run a marathon and never train for it. You have nine months to prepare for this marathon and people don't train for it. So how would you say people can train or prepare for breastfeeding while they're pregnant? That's such a great analogy. Yes. I totally agree. I think that we really focus at, I mean, as we should on pregnancy and delivery, and then the, the breastfeeding piece is sort of forgotten about, or it'll, it'll come later, but breastfeeding ideally should really be even longer than the, the pregnancy, right? A year or more. So there is a lot of thought about breastfeeding that should take place. And so what I would suggest really is for people to see a lactation consultant, even while they're pregnant, and it would be a great way to find someone that you feel comfortable with, you connect with and learn about breastfeeding. I mean, there are classes certainly at hospitals and any, you know, there are lots of books out there, but I think learning as much as you can about breastfeeding is really important. And speaking with perhaps with a lactation consultant, you could ask those personal questions, those things maybe about your body, your anatomy, your history, uh, your experiences that you might not feel comfortable disclosing in a, in a group setting, but just really get some very good education about expectations. I think during those first few days, weeks of your new baby's life, there is so much to take in. You've got the hormonal shifts, you've got family, you've got how, how do I deal with a new baby? And just, we often intertwine the birth of a baby and the, the, the stress that we're feeling with the early feeding stage. And they sort of become intertwined. And then we have difficulties where others may be say, you know, why are you breastfeeding? This is so difficult. This is so stressful for you. But understanding that sleep, that sleep deprivation, having all of the initial issues or the initial challenges of being a new mom aren't actually the breastfeeding issues. Those really are two separate issues. And if you can just be prepared for what to really expect, because I think we kind of go into it like a fairy tale, like, oh, I, you know, it's wonderful. I have my new baby now, but then not the realistic piece of how exhausting and how life-changing it can be. And if we could just prepare for that, then I, and have appropriate expectations, then I think we'll do a lot better as a new parent. And certainly getting appropriate prenatal care would be another piece of it. But education and the um, prenatal care, I would say, are, are the ways to prepare. There's nothing anatomy-wise. There's nothing right. breast-specific that you need to do, but certainly just educate yourself. Yeah, I definitely think that ha coming in with the expectation that like breastfeeding might be a little bit more difficult. And 
And it's true, like lack of sleep and all the physical and emotional and hormonal changes you go through postpartum is not like it's, it, it's intertwined with breastfeeding, but it's not from breastfeeding and understanding that it's going to be hard and you're going to be sleep deprived, you know, breastfeeding or not, and not jumping to like, okay, well, let, let me stop breastfeeding because then I'll be able to sleep more and stuff like that. I think that people give up on it too easily, honestly, because they expect it to be easy. So just preparing and being educated and knowing that like, it's going to be hard no matter what breastfeeding or not can definitely really help along with education and please, please get prenatal care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so diving into like breast spe- or breastfeeding specific questions. The first question, should we switch breasts in one feeding? And if so, how long on each side? So yes, I would recommend that you switch sides and it will vary a little bit. Obviously a, a newborn baby is going to um, be maybe a bit more sleepy and take a little bit longer and you're still learning how to breastfeed. So you would certainly do one side when you start to notice that baby is getting a little bit sleepy, you can do some breast compressions and kind of help baby to wake up and maybe be be reinvigorated for the feeding. And then certainly afterwards switch and offer the other side. It doesn't always mean that baby will take the other side, but certainly offer. And the the length of a feed can really vary. Certainly in the initial days and weeks, baby will take longer to feed probably. Um, And as they, as they get older, they'll be more efficient at feeding. So we're not watching the clock. We're not sort of you know, checking our time and saying, you know, cutting off the baby if, if they've gone for a long period of time, but, but about 20 minutes or so um, is, is a, a good feed for a baby, but certainly can go up to, you know, 45 minutes. And it will seem in those early hours and weeks that you're constantly feeding and that's extremely appropriate. And that is your main job is to, to, to feed your baby during that, those initial hours in weeks. So do you say if, um, somebody, let's say like started out on the right side and then they switched to the left at the end, the next feeding, should they start on the left, like start on the opposite side as before to kind of keep it even? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cause if, you know, on the second side, baby probably, well, and, and it depends and ba- baby might not have had a full feed right. on that second side. So yes, go ahead and offer that, that second side again, as you start so, to make sure that you are feeding as efficiently as possible from each breast. Right. So if we latch baby and let's say like it hurts, it's painful and it's constantly every time you latch that you're having a painful latch, what are things that we can do to help with a painful latch? I mean, certainly the the number one reason for a painful latch is positioning, right? So if the baby is, um, you know, turned away or is just not quite, quite has an asymmetrical latch. So where baby needs baby's lower jaw would be more so beneath the breast, take more of the bottom of the breast. So we would check the latch and then, you know, there could be some other reasons for it, but that's the predominant and main reason would be that latch. And so what I would suggest, this is a great place for the partner or the support person or a nurse to really uh, can see a lot better than mom can see because, um, you know, from just from the angle. So I would suggest to new parents is to watch lots of videos of of really efficient latches, look at photos to make sure um, that they know what a good latch looks like. A lot of times it's those middle of the night feedings when the lights are out and no one else is awake and maybe mom tries to latch baby and or falls asleep and or is, is, you know, is not really able to see very well and baby maybe slides off and then the latch is really 
uncomfortable. And then in the morning, you can kind of see that that baby might have damaged mom a little bit. So stopping it while if it hurts, because it shouldn't hurt. So stopping that, you know, helping baby unlatch and then retry again. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like a lot of the painful latching is super, super preventable, literally by education. Like if you know what, like you said, like you can see it with your eyes and most, I have so many patients who will be like, well, it keeps hurting. Like it hurts, it hurts. And there'll be maybe a day or two postpartum and I'll watch them latch the baby. And I'm like, of course that hurts. Like, so I think education is huge. Like you said, watching YouTube, just understanding what a good latch looks like will make you really understand why it hurts when your baby does not have that good latch, because it's very noticeable just by the position of their mouth and their lips while they're latching, if it's going to hurt. Yes. It's breastfeeding, not nipple feeding. You know, you've probably heard that, that term a lot, right. And it's so true. And I, I don't think if we're not, if we haven't really educated ourselves or, 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 or had many role models for breastfeeding, we might not really know that. So yes, having a good view of what an efficient latch should look like. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, if you don't know what that looks like, like I have so many people who, you know, they have their baby and they don't understand. They didn't know, like, it's literally, it's just, they, they weren't educated that it is the whole breast. It's not just the nipple people really do think. And I mean, it kind of makes sense before I was a labor and delivery nurse, I would have thought the same thing. Like, Oh, that it just, the nipple just has to go into the mouth, but it's not, it's the entire area or as much of it as you, you know, can get, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so this next question, somebody said, I feel like my baby is not getting enough. It's kind of two parts. How do I know if he's getting enough? And then how do I increase my milk production? That's the number one question. And I, it's our, the number one fear, right? Because we can't see, we, we're used to seeing bottles and measuring and timing things. And so it really is this great unknown but it goes back to that education. So if you're feeding your baby eight or more times in 24 hours, and this is kind of the mantra, something you can have written down, that baby seems relaxed after a feeding. And I know that is a little bit hard to understand or see at the very beginning because you've just met your baby. But if a baby looks relaxed, they look sleepy, their hands aren't clenched anymore, their fate, their forehead isn't furrowed. Um, they look relaxed and calm after a feed. Um, feeling your breast before, so get in the habit of feeling your breasts to kind of feel the firmness after your milk volume increases, you'll feel the firmness. Um, and then notice after a feed is your breast softer. And then clearly baby would have been drinking and taking some of that milk. Also, the number one really is checking the, the number of diapers per, per day, your number of dirty and wet diapers. And then certainly seeing a, a healthcare practitioner as well, you kind of have someone else's eyes on baby and trust your gut, trust your instinct. You know, although this might be a first baby for you, or you might have had other babies, every baby is unique, but trust your experience and get to know your baby and understand your baby's cues. And that can really highlight to you that you're doing a great job uh, and weighing your baby, certainly. Um, and that's if you go to a healthcare practitioner or see a lactation consultant, and they'll be able to weigh your baby and make sure baby is gaining appropriately. Yeah, that's exactly what I tell people in the hospital. And mainly we just say, you know, number of dirties because they can't really feel like the letdown yet or the firmness that gets relieved in the beginning because colostrum is such a, such a tiny amount. It's great quality, but not a lot of quantity. That's right. (laughs) We always say, you know, it's mainly in, it's mainly output wets and dirties and then weight because we do monitor weight and it's normal, you know, in the beginning to lose weight, but 
their pediatrician keeps on monitoring it and we hope that baby continues to gain weight. And that's the best way really to know. And then of course, how they're acting. Like you said, if your baby is crying and very, very extremely fussy, irritable, inconsolable after feeding, then it might be a sign or one thing, you know, it might not be that it can be a lot of things, but one thing to definitely think about is, okay, am I producing enough? Is, is he or she getting enough? Yes. yes, So the second part of the question, how can we increase our milk production if we don't think we're getting enough? Yes. I think that's kind of a loaded question though, because I believe that our society, there are a lot of marketing dollars spent on convincing parents that they don't have enough milk. And so it's important to really understand if that's true or not, because we tend to be, we tend to doubt ourselves initially at least. So really making sure that you do indeed need to, to produce more milk. The number one way of of, of making more milk is to breastfeed more frequently. So it's not really a magic formula. It's just do it more often. But I would just check to see why do you think that you need more milk? Is it, you know, what is going on with baby? Or is it just sort of this uneasiness that you're feeling? So again, going back to that you know your baby the best. Certainly this is might be new for you, but, but and you can talk with someone about that, a, a medical professional or lactation consultant to see, you know, is there really a, a true need? And then you can work up at increasing the volume. But initially I would just make sure that you are, are indeed in need because just because we have more milk doesn't make mean that that's a good situation. More is not always better. There can often be a lot of issues with, with making more milk than your baby needs. And, and that can create a whole host of health issues for you possibly and create some discomfort for baby if you have a, a lot more volume. So I would just really work with someone and work with a lactation consultant to verify that you do need to, to increase your milk supply. And then that lactation consultant will work with you and your body and your situation to come up with a plan that works for you. And that is very independent. Yeah, I agree. I think that there is such a like market out there for, you know, there's like gummies that increase your milk supply. Oh, and there's, and I don't, you know, some of this stuff might work. I don't know, but there's like lactation cookies and lactation teas and lactation drinks. It's, it's insane. And I don't have any doubt, you know, some of it probably works, but I agree with you that working with a professional who can point you in the direction of like, okay, your milk supply is low. Maybe let's start supplementing with this and doing this and pumping or drinking more water, just little things. I definitely think that you need to involve a professional. So I like, I like that. That was your main caveat of the entire answer. <laughs> yes. Cause it's, it gets really expensive to, to buy all of these things that you might not really even need. And certainly they might uh, not be effective at all for you and your situation. So yes. don't spend a lot of money on those things. Talk to someone that really can direct you and then work together to come up with a good plan. Yes. So this next one, how can I help with a fast letdown? But the fast letdown, so that's where baby is sort of might be struggling with the speed of the, uh, the milk ejection. So gravity certainly would be a good way to help baby with that. So um, a mom could be more reclined in a reclined posture and have baby on top so that baby 
is not having to deal with that the gravity as well as the fast letdown mom could also if you know if she if as soon as her her letdown comes that it's spraying everywhere she could kind of use like a little cloth to sort of take off a little bit of that that front that first milk so that then when baby does have able to latch on that the baby isn't sort of being sprayed everywhere and so baby might be choking or kind of coughing that's a good sign to know that maybe it's a, a forceful letdown for baby and it might be a little too much, um, but often babies grow more accustomed to that and are able to handle that later on. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. So for somebody who's exclusively breastfeeding, do you recommend pumping? Well, it depends. And again, so, so lactation, I know is a little bit, you might hear lots of different ideas and lots of different concepts from different people, but it really is something that works for you and your situation. It doesn't always fit everybody. Pumps are something that is kind of, have kind of become a standard piece of equipment and not everyone needs a pump. A pump, a pump serves a wonderful purpose for, it does certainly drive milk production if mom is perhaps separated from baby. Um, certainly for moms or parents that are returning to work and need to have um, milk available. So pumping has its place. It's not certainly something that every parent needs to do for their child. It really just depends on the, the situation. So this next one actually goes right with that. What pump do you recommend? What do you feel like are the most popular or even like the best pumps, would you say? Again, tricky question. Um, it, it, there's so many pumps. Again, we go back to that, that, that um, the marketing and the, the tools that are out there. I mean, there's, there's some great stuff out there. Do you need it? Not necessarily. There are lots of different pumps from the really mobile pumps that you don't have to be hooked up to a wall unit and you can walk around. Those have became very popular. Yes. It, I mean, they're amazing. But there is a little caveat sometimes with those pumps that maybe they are not as um, powerful perhaps as some other pumps. So it really, again, depends on what your, your needs are. So if you're working on increasing milk production, one of those sort of more mobile pumps might not be the best pump for you. Um, you might need a hospital grade pump to work on the milk supply. So again, there's so many, it would be hard to, you know, there are some pumps that are, are really popular. And I would say the the Spectra pumps are probably the most popular. The, that's what most of the moms that I work with are getting. And then some of the mobile pumps as well. Now, like the Freemi pump is another uh, really popular one. But there, it seems like every day I might discover something new pump wise, difficult because you don't really know what you're going to need. I think while you're pregnant, if you, if you purchase a pump, you might not really know what, again, what your situation is or what your expectations or what your plans are. So I really suggest if you could wait till after baby is born and then um, invest in a pump or, you know, with your insurance, if your insurance will cover a pump. And there's so much there's people, people are posting all the time about suggestions for different pumps. So you can certainly um, get other parents feedbacks on pumps. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely so many, so many that are popular. And I definitely think, like you said, it's very individualized. And a, another huge thing is, you know, making sure or at least trying to get your insurance to cover it. Many insurances will cover pumps, at least from my experience. And that is just a huge saving, something that you do not need to pay for out of pocket. I don't know how expensive they run. I think like hundred to 200. Does that sound about right? 
Yes. And they can be even more. Yeah. So definitely check with your insurance, see what they will cover and then do your research on your options and pick what you think is best for you. Yes. Insurance will generally have three, four, maybe five different options. They might have an upgrade, um, that you pay, you pay a certain amount to get perhaps a pump that is deemed a little bit nicer. So yes, do your research. Yes. So can I use a pacifier while I'm breastfeeding or what about a bottle while I'm breastfeeding? Like if they have to leave and, you know, sub in a bottle a little bit, will that cause nipple confusion? It's not really nipple confusion as much as nipple preference. And it's the the flow of milk that tends to be more of the issue. So, you know, think about with breastfeeding that it might take a minute or two for the milk ejection reflex and the milk to flow from the breast, whereas a bottle is pretty instant. And so that's often where that bottle preference, as we call it, kind of comes in. So really there's a thing called paste bottle feeding. And if you're not familiar with it, do your, do your homework and watch a video. There are so many of them. Paste bottle feeding is the way to do it for anyone that has is bottle feeding. Even if you're not breastfeeding at all, paste bottle feeding, I highly recommend everyone learn how to do that. Even, you know, the, the babysitter, grandparents, whoever's watching your, your baby. And then as far as a pacifier, you know, certainly pacifiers can be helpful and beneficial for, for many. So I don't blanketly say no to pacifiers. I would wait. I would wait for pacifiers and bottles until baby really is efficient and comfortable and you're comfortable at the breast and then introduce a bottle or a pacifier if needed. And there is that that sort of window where introducing a bottle, you don't want to introduce it too early, but you don't want to introduce it too late because then sometimes babies won't be interested in a bottle either. So certainly really not at all before two weeks. And I would wait probably up to about a month before you start introducing other types of nipples. Yeah. I have a friend whose baby literally will not take a bottle. Thankfully with COVID, she works from home, but won't take a bottle. Just will not show any interest in it. And that is just so crazy to me. Yes. (laughs) So how can we help if we have sore nipples while we're breastfeeding? Are there, you know, creams that you recommend or even like treatments, I guess you could say I've heard of, um, I don't, I wish I knew the name of them. They're like silver plates, literally, I think that's all they are. But do you have anything that you recommend for sil- or for sore nipples? Well, I would go back to that uh, positioning and latch. That's probably why there is some soreness. So I'd really start with that first. And you, you know, there might have been one night where, again, it was that middle of the night feeding and the lights were off and you couldn't quite see. And maybe there's a little bit of soreness from that experience. Breast milk is actually great. Uh, so if you express a little breast milk and um, rub that into the breast, that's really nice and, and soothing and healing for their breast. I, I, I do know people have used the silverettes and had a lot of success with those as well. So then there are lots and lots of different, again, you know, lots of different creams that are sold for, for nipple soreness. But I would go back to that. Why is the why is the breast sore? Why is the, the nipple sore? And work at that firsthand. And then coconut coconut oil is a great one as well. So there are lots of little remedies that are nice and soothing, but really find out why that is happening. Yeah, and also just to add because I know some people might think that well, nobody would ever do this, but make sure that whatever you're putting on your nipples is 
safe or edible for the baby? Because I've had many people ask me for like antibiotics and, you know, things like that. If they have store cracked nipples and like out there things. And I'm like, your baby is going to feed on there. So just make sure that you're also thinking about that, making sure that anything, I mean, like you said, fix the latch and that should hopefully fix everything else. But if you are wanting to put something on them, just make sure that it is something that is meant for your breasts and for you while you're breastfeeding. Yes, please. (laughs) So I think I'm already, I already know the answer you're going to have for this next one, but this question asks, how long do I need to wake up my baby through the night to feed? When can I start letting them sleep through the night? Uh, yeah. So, well, the, that sleep question. So eight or more times in 24 hours. So you might have a baby that will go to sleep for a little bit longer, which is lovely, but you know, in the early stages, you really do need to make sure that baby is feeding enough and not being too tired really to wake up or too hungry to wake up. So in those early stages, you're going to kind of be checking the clock. You're going to be looking, watching for baby to stir. As far as sleeping through the night, that's always nice when that does happen. And it doesn't really happen. um, And it's not meant to happen for baby to sleep through the night. And this is quite a controversial topic, but really to about a year, some babies will sleep, you know, that four or five hour block is, is lovely. And that's good for mom or dad. If baby can sleep that long for any parent or the baby to sleep a lengthy period of time is really lovely, but don't, that shouldn't be the expectation. Babies are meant to be awake. They're meant to be with their, their parent for their blood sugar, for safety reasons. So they will be waking up frequently. And again, that goes back to that education of being really prepared that baby will be waking up. Yeah. I one time had a patient had her like I don't know, a day after, but she was like, Oh my, the baby slept for eight hours last night. And I was like, no, it's a newborn. She's like, yeah, it didn't wake up once. I'm like, Oh gosh. So the baby literally had not eaten and had slept for, you know, too long. So I think in the, I think once they kick out of that newborn stage, even if you tried, they probably won't sleep throughout the night. They're going to wake up for feedings. But in that first week, they, like, if you let them, some newborns will sleep through the night. And I totally agree with everything you said. And I also always tell my patients, you know, it's something that your pediatrician will also like walk you through when they're comfortable with like baby, maybe going a little bit longer between feedings throughout the night when their weight has completely gained back and we know that they're getting enough, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. Like their babies are not meant to sleep through the night and understanding that from the start is very important. Yes. I think that, I think that really is key to understanding that your baby has a a biological need and it's completely normal for them to be with you and to wake up and to breastfeed frequently. Having that understanding, I think can really take a lot of that stress and worry and make it easier when you are really tired and wish that you could sleep longer, but understand there's a reason for your wakefulness. Yes. So these last couple questions are basically like about safety of certain things during breastfeeding, I guess, which I'm sure you probably get a lot of. So this first one says, can I breastfeed if I have breast implants? Yes, you can breastfeed with breast implants. And it's, again, it's very individual depending on where the implant um, was or how the implant was placed. But generally, you know, you kind of, it's kind of a wait and see experience, but yes, you can certainly breastfeed with implants. 
So this next one says, what are things, foods, medications, supplements? I know it's very loaded, (laughs) but, um, to avoid during breastfeeding. Oh, goodness. Surprisingly, there are not very many items that are completely off, um, limits with breastfeeding, but there are some, and it's good to know what those are. So there is a website, infantrisk.com. Okay. Yes. So, um, that's a great place to, uh, to look for a certain medication and certainly ask your, your pediatrician or pharmacist if they are not particularly knowledgeable with breastfeeding, most for safety reasons might err on the side of saying, no, it's not okay to breastfeed with that. But oftentimes it really is okay to breastfeed. Um, with a certain type of medication. So certainly double check it, but make sure that you're checking with a a source that a lactation consultant um, could get you that information, make sure that they're knowledgeable about breastfeeding. Yeah. And are there any like things that you say to people, you know, hundred percent of the time, avoid this, whether it be a supplement or food or anything. I'm just trying to think if there anything that I blanketly say don't use, or I can't think of anything that I absolutely do say that to, you know, certainly illicit drugs, um, would, would, you know, would, would not, or do those in general? Uh, yes. Um, would, would certainly be on the list, but no, you know, it's, it's surprising. There are, um, many things that are, are fine to, um, to, to take while breastfeeding and it might vary. It might, you might breastfeed. And then immediately, if you have to take a medication, take that medication. And so that it has some time for your next time to breastfeed. And even with surgeries or, you know, other sorts of things, double check with a lactation consultant, because you might have some advice that you need to wean. And that really might not be the case. So I would just double check that with a lactation consultant before you make any big changes. Yeah. And this last one, can I drink alcohol while I'm breastfeeding? <laughs> you know, this is probably a question that everybody wants to know. Cause you just waited nine months without a single drink and some people just, just want it. <laughs> yes. You, yes, you can drink while breastfeeding. You know, the, 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 the theory is that if you are, uh, aware and you're able to, to be able to hold baby and be aware of what you're doing, then, then you're, you're fine. Certainly if, if it's a big night and you um, partake too much, if you're not really able to support and and care for your baby, then you're likely not able to breastfeed as well. Um, But yes, you certainly can have a glass or two um, of wine or whatever it is. And that's not a problem. And so, so let's say you had like one or two glasses of wine. Would you, would you recommend like what people do, like the pumping and dumping after, or is it just fine to breastfeed? Again, it would be great if you were were to breastfeed and then drink so that you might have a length, a a longer time period. There is no reason to pump and dump with alcohol because it's, um, in your bloodstream. And so you're as, as long as that, that, um, alcohol is in your system, you, you can't get it out any faster. Right. So you just have to wait a certain period of time. Again, you know, if you, if you planned on doing something beyond that, maybe you pumped ahead of time and you have some extra milk and, um, maybe that maybe you would want to provide that to your baby, but just for, you know, normal, casual drink, it's not, not a problem. Okay. So as long as you're not like drunk, and, you know, way past your normal limit. You're fine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, that was the last question that we had. Thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with us. Where can people find you and connect with you? Like Instagram, Facebook, website, all that. 
Thank you, Jennifer. I have enjoyed it. Um, yes, you can find me on uh, Facebook and on Instagram at Charlotte Lactation and my website, charlottelactation.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Bump. Make sure you follow us over on Instagram at What the Bump Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. There's a new episode. I really appreciate you for listening. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. And I hope you have a good day.